<laughs> All right, welcome back, folks. We are on episode number 11 of the Run It By My Lawyer podcast. Sometimes I think to myself, instead of numbering the episodes, why don't we just go by the number of vaccine shots that are uh, uh, <laughs> requested for approval from Pfizer? We are at vaccine number four right now, okay? So by the next time I talk to you, maybe we'll be at vaccine number five. We never know. Uh, the other way we could, you know, kind of mark the episode number is how much gas is costing in San Diego. The last time I filled up in gas, it was $5.89, okay? Uh, so we'll see the next time uh, what it is. You know what, what What bothers me so much is every time when, when gas goes down four cents, the politicians make the biggest deal in the world. Like, we got gas prices down, and, and it was down by four cents. And then when it goes up $2, they're just, they never say anything, <laughs> right? So it's always a bad thing. Um, anyway, so let's see how we're going to start numbering the episodes. And uh, I have all the other, the previous 10 episodes, they're all on YouTube and Spotify. If you want to go back and see uh, the old the old ones, um, believe it or not, the most uh, popular one is the episode we did on Alec Baldwin. I don't understand why that one is the most popular. I guess people are still very interested in what Alec Baldwin did and if he's going to, uh, you know, get charged with murder uh, or not. So uh, for some crazy reason, that one is is the most popular. Uh, and then uh, today I want to talk a little bit, uh, the starters, about this uh, ongoing war in Ukraine. Uh, obviously, it's on everyone's mind and, um, you know, a lot of people are wondering, how do we get the Russians out of Ukraine? Well, one idea. <laughs> how about we send my mother-in-law to live in Ukraine? <laughs> That'll get the Russians to leave. <laughs> no. Um, no, 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 but seriously. Somebody did ask me, well, what can you do to help? Or what can we do to help? And then I started thinking, well, what the hell can I do to help? I'm a freaking lawyer. Uh, I'm, <laughs> us lawyers, we're so useless. Like, what am I going to do to help? I go to Ukraine and just start suing people? Like, how is that going to help them? I mean, doctors, engineers, teachers, nurses, they could all help uh, the Ukrainians. But lawyers, what the heck can we do? Like, uh, the freaking, the poor Ukrainians will say, First, it was the Russians that came. Then it was these damn lawyers that came, right? Um, the uh, the other thing, and then there's other people that say, oh, yeah, well, you know, um, this happened before when it happened to other countries and nobody cared and this and that. I understand that one pretty well. I was uh, born in Iraq, Baghdad, Iraq. And it seems like Baghdad, Iraq has been in war forever. Okay, let me explain a few things. Uh, explain what I mean. When uh, one day, if, if uh, 100 people died in Ukraine in one day, it's like an international tragedy, right? It's all over the news. 100 people died in one day in Ukraine, right? In Iraq, if 100 people died in one day, they they call that a slow day. <laughs> they go like, oh, 100 people died. That's it? Were the police off today? Is that why? <laughs> they didn't kill anyone today? Um you know, so the other thing uh, I heard on the news, they were they were questioning the elections of Russia, saying, how the heck is uh, Vladimir Putin keep winning in Russia? You know, the Russian elections you know, are probably rigged or they might be rigged. And obviously there was some question about the American elections uh, coming from Baghdad, Iraq. You don't know what rigged elections are unless you're from Baghdad, Iraq. Uh, we had this dictator back in the day 
named Saddam Hussein, okay? He was the dictator when I lived there. And let me tell you about rigged election. One time for presidency, he got 18 million votes, okay? Which is crazy because there was only 12 million people. Okay, how does that happen, right? Another time, uh, Saddam Hussein, uh, in one election, he won president, vice president, secretary, and treasurer, all right? Which was crazy because he didn't even run for treasurer, all right? Um, and the media, uh, obviously during these days, all these people are arguing about the media and what they're doing and how they are and if they're reporting the news you know, uh, you know, properly and whatnot. Again, in Iraq, that there was no such thing as free speech. It was more like, uh, you know, you're gonna die speech. One time in Iraq, Saddam Hussein he, he killed like a thousand people, uh, Iraqis, his own people, up in the the north part. Killed thousands, women, children, old people, everything. Right. And uh, so the media got together, like, what the fuck are we going to do? He just killed thousands of people. Um, so the next day, da -da 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 -da, news alert, Saddam Hussein just won the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> that was uh, rigged media. Okay. Uh, okay. So I did wrap my brain around what us lawyers can do for uh, the people of Ukraine and, uh, and what's going on. Uh, and I finally figured it out, all right? And uh, here's some advice for my fellow lawyers and for other people. It's called war reparations. Uh, war reparations is something that lawyers have, uh, it's a good field. And let me explain a little bit about what exactly how it works, okay? Uh, the funny part, the history about the war reparations is the first known war reparation was the Punic Wars, all right, like 200 BC. Uh, the Romans made the Carthages. Oh, man, you know, I can never say that word there. The Carth, the Carthages, right? Because I keep mixing it up with the word Carth. Uh, you know, put in a printer the cartridge, right? So anyway, the Romans made the Carthages pay uh, reparations after the third war that they had after the Romans just beat them, you know, senseless. Uh, so that was like the first known history of war reparations. Now, how it works in modern times, uh, the first time I learned about war reparations and kind of how lawyers do it and kind of the, the legality, the legal issues and the technicalities behind war reparations, I went to law school at UC Berkeley. This is in the 90s. And there was a law professor I had, a really, really good law professor. And he was, you know, like a generation ahead of me, let's say, in terms of the legal career. And he, he was telling us these stories of, of a lawyer that he worked for that was a generation ahead of him. Uh, and that lawyer did uh, war, like he was helping people get World War II reparations in like the 50s and 60s from uh, Germany, okay? And what he said about that is, this is how it works, okay? If, if, uh, if a country loses a war, uh, ordinarily in the treaty, after they'll agree to pay war reparations, okay? And no matter how it works, it's gonna be a legal issue, all right? Because either the company will pay, or the, that country will pay it directly to, to, to victims that, that make claims, or they'll give it to another country, you know, the winning country. Uh, and then nonetheless, though, the victims will have to make claims with uh, that country, okay? So what he was talking about, and he had helped this, this uh, lawyer a little bit with the, with the World War II reparations, and it works the same way today. Um, 
what happens is uh, it's not like Germany said, okay, we're going to pay billions of dollars and we'll just, you know, find out who the victims are and we'll just start paying them. No, everyone has to submit a claim. All right. And that's a very legal issue, submitting a claim. And it's something that us lawyers, um, the conspiracy theory is that lawyers make the claim process really difficult so that everyone has to hire a lawyer <laughs> to, to do it. Okay. That's the conspiracy theory. Uh, I'm just here to say that that conspiracy theory has a lot of validity to it. Okay. Because lawyers are all assholes. <laughs> I'm telling you that right now. All right. So the claim process was really difficult. And uh, he used to say something like if the claim wasn't done correctly, or if the documentation wasn't presented correctly, if it wasn't sent to the right place, if it wasn't notarized the right way, you know, uh, things like that, if it wasn't filed in time, then the claim would be uh, denied, right? Uh, and if it was done very well, you know, blah, 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 it complied with everything, you know, uh, then it could be granted. And then, you know, uh, but it was really, really difficult. And I remember that law professor saying, and the damn Germans with their claims and their record keeping uh, requirements, it was so difficult, you know? So everyone that, or a lot of people that wanted to get these uh, reparations that were entitled to it, you know, they had to hire lawyers and, and go through this complicated uh, claim process. All right. Um, now the other thing, you know, other, other forms, you know, the September 11, 2001, the 9, 11 attacks, there are still lawsuits over that, um, you know, over, over the payouts of that, the claims from there. Um, and to this day, 20 years, oh yeah, 20 plus years later, right? There's an ongoing lawsuit against the country or what is it called? The kingdom of Saudi Arabia, uh, over the 9-11 attacks. Now that lawsuit, let's just say it settles. Okay. It's an interesting lawsuit of it in itself, right? Cause they're suing the kingdom of Saudi Arabia for the 9-11 attacks. Um, and there's, you know, the allegations that Saudi Arabia, uh, you know, were, were um, funding the 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 terrorists right they they paid them to come to america they paid them for college you know things like that and a lot of that is true and then saudi arabia says well we paid we pay our students like national college right like you go to a public school what they do in the kingdom of saudi arabia is they give money to people to go uh to college and then right and then come back so they were saying well we paid but that was just part of our system not like we're paying them to do that so um Oh, by the way, I could never say the word abroad, like they paid students to go abroad. Let me tell you why. About 15 years ago, I had this student in one of my law classes that I said something like, he married abroad, right? And the guy started laughing. I'm like, why are you laughing? He goes, oh, you said he married abroad. I go, yeah. He's like, do you mean like abroad, like across the world? Or do you mean abroad, like a girl? <laughs> and then every time for the rest of the freaking semester, when I said the word abroad, this guy would chuckle. So to this day, I can never say that word without thinking of that. So anyway, so Saudi Arabia said we paid the students to go out of the country to study. Uh, it was not to finance the World Trade Center attacks. Okay, obviously that is the disputed point. Correct. Um, now, let's say my gut feeling is that sooner or later, there will be a settlement with the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. OK, and the kingdom of Saudi Arabia that already that has already paid some money to victims. 
uh, well, let's say they, they put in another $200 million, okay? So they say, okay, we're gonna settle now. We're gonna put in another $200 million, okay? Um, especially now that gas prices are, right, <laughs> are up so much, no problem, here's $200 million. Now, what the heck happens? Um, there's these, the, the legal claim process. It's not like they take $200 million and they, the U S government says, okay, there was, you know, let's say 3,500 people that died. There's $200 million, just divide 200 million by 3,500 and let's just split the money equally. That's not how it works. What happens is then they open up a claims process form. Okay. Uh, only lawyers can say those words and get excited claim process forms, right? So they're going to open up the claims process forms. And then all these, uh, the victims, families and whatnot, um, and the people that got injured there and, and whatnot, or they lost business because of that. Then they have to like file forms and claims and, and try to get some of that money from the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Um, the next one I want to talk about, Oh, back to Iraq. This is a big one in terms of the uh, kind of like the legal system and how it works with this war reparations. Okay, I remember I'm an old guy, right? I remember Iraq invaded Kuwait in, uh, in August to 1990. All right. So that was th about 32 years ago. They invaded Kuwait. Um, they just made maybe the final 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 payment for war reparations like a month ago <laughs> like it just happened and 30 about 32 years later now uh for the past 32 years um you know different companies and people were able to file claims for the war reparations what happened was so iraq invaded kuwait in august 1990 uh the u.s uh, sent troops apparently uh, protecting Kuwait and, and getting in there and fighting in Kuwait was something the United States wanted to do. And they're not doing it now with Ukraine, right? Um, you know, for various different reasons. But they did that in the 1990s and they, they forcibly, you know, had a war. They re removed the Iraqi troops from Kuwait. And then um, they, they, you know, the British and the United States were in Iraq. They could have, you know, they could have taken over Iraq and, and did more and everything. And then they signed a treaty with Saddam Hussein, uh, the dictator at the time, right? Now, that treaty was very interesting because in that treaty, there was a clause that said Iraq will pay war reparations. It's very easy for a dictator to sign that. There's a few reasons. And I this is where I think lawyers can come in uh, with this Ukraine and Russia war is that the reason why a lot of times the losing party and the dictator will sign a treaty with a provision in there for war reparations is because it stops the war. It kind of like lets them stay in power, right? Um, because if they don't sign it, maybe the war will continue or maybe they'll remove him for a dictator that will agree to war reparations or something like that, right? Um, and then the best part is almost every dictator will agree to it, um, at the end of a war is because they don't have to pay it, right? If someone said, hey, Joe Samuel, can you sign something saying that the person after you will have to pay this money? I'll say, hell yeah, right? Um, so anyway, so Saddam Hussein signed this provision that, that war reparations will be made. And then this, and it was going on for, you know, you know, 10, 15 years after he died, right? <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha!
uh, in Iraq, the, the dictator was, uh, was willing to sign the war reparations. Um, and then again, just like with the uh, World Trade Center claims, the World War II claims, then there's the, you know, the, the very specifics, okay? And us lawyers, uh, kind of like part of the laws, every time there is a payout, okay, it's kind of like people start kind of, uh, you know, it, 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 <laughs> this is my, what I used to say after law school. Like, this is where lawyers kind of come in and why everything gets fussy. Imagine there's 32 students in a class, right? And someone comes in there and says, great news, I am giving out gold coins, right? And there's 32 students. And then what they do is they drop off 31 gold coins, okay? Um, all of a sudden, there's going to be a lot of fighting over who gets the gold coins and who's the one a-hole that doesn't get the gold coin, right? Uh, for some reason, it's always Joe Samo. But, uh, you know, so everyone would argue, oh, I should get it, I should get them, uh, blah, 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 blah. Why don't we split them? You know, and then someone will say, well, we can't split them because they're not split a ball. And then somebody will say, well, why don't we sell it? And then someone else will say, well, I got a jeweler, <laughs> right? Let me sell it. Uh, I'll get the commission. And then, you know, they'll fight over that. So us this is what happens in the sense of the war reparations. So Iraq agreed with Saddam Hussein to pay war reparations after they invaded Kuwait. Let me tell you who made the biggest money from the war reparations. Somehow, the company Halliburton made a lot, like $18 million um, in this war reparations. Okay, how the heck did they, yeah, that was the company that made a lot of money from the war, and then they filed a war reparations claim. Uh, other companies uh, that got, you know, that, that, you know, filed in here, and then there was millions of dollars awarded to these companies, Pepsi, Pepsi and Nestle Candy, all right, they got war reparations for Iraq attacking Kuwait. Uh, how the heck did they do that? They said, uh, well, we are victims of this war because we sold a lot of Pepsi and Kit Kats or whatever the heck Nestle bakes to Kuwaitis and business was slow during the time that Iraq invaded them. <laughs> so we are victims of the war. Thank you very much. They must have hired good lawyers that knew how to, you know, fill out the claims process, right? Um, other companies that got big bucks, like hundreds of thousands of dollars, was KFC. I did not know that uh, they had a lot of business, supposedly, in Kuwait that was damaged due to Iraq invading Kuwait. And my favorite, Toys R Us. Toys R Us got about $200,000 in war reparations. Why? Because they filed the claims, <laughs> okay? Um, other, you know, oh, my last example, the United States Marshall Islands, now called the Marshall Islands because they became an independent country uh, sometime in the mid-80s, I think it was 1986, uh, they had very little in war reparations uh, paid out by the United States. And why? After World War II, we dropped nuclear bombs in the United States Marshall Islands, uh, you know, for testing uh, something like 
70 or 65 to 70 nuclear bombs were dropped in the U.S. Marshall Islands. There were some of those islands which completely vanished from the nuclear bombs. So imagine like Hiroshima, you know, that, that nuclear bomb, the atomic bomb. This was 67 of them. So then after this, there was a lot of people that died. They were uh, the radioactive, you know, this and that. Their property was blown away, like I said, whole islands. So there were some war reparations there as well. So now we, we come to today. Um, the Ukrainians, uh, there will be some sort of uh, reparations. I think it'll be from Russia. It'll be some sort of treaty. If it's not from Russia, it'll be from, you know, maybe NATO or the United Nations. Like something will happen after this is done. Okay, because it's happened in every single war, um, you know, for the most part, there's going to be a side that loses. Okay, um, and that side will then, when they lose, will likely agree to war reparations or to get this, you know, signed off. You know, maybe like to have the Ukrainian president sign it or something. They'll they'll say to him, they'll say, okay, we're going to give you war reparations to sign this, and then blah blah blah. Right? Uh, then there's going to be a, a you know a process. This. There's already a precedent for this, and it's and it's with Ukraine. Uh, some of you may or may not remember. It was only two years ago. There was a Ukrainian airline that flew from Tehran, and it was headed to Kiev. Um, you know, by the way, I always called it Kiev, and then I, ever since this this war, I think is uh, they said no, the correct pronunciation is Kiev, but I used to call it Kiev. Anyway, so there was an an airline, a Ukrainian. International Airlines, it was flying from Tehran to the Ukraine. And on in January 8, 2020, after it took off from Tehran, like, you know, uh, like 20 minutes or whatever it was, like in a few minutes after it took off, it was shot down and all 167 passengers died. All right. And uh, what happened is it was kind of a tense time. Because uh, like a few days before that, there was one of the Iranian generals was assassinated. And then uh, there was some like missile strikes against Iraq, like U.S. bases in Iraq. So it was kind of a tense time. Finally, after three days, the Iranian government came out and said, OK, we shot down that uh, that airline. Uh, we thought it was a missile. Like we just kind of misdetected it, if that's the right word. Uh, so we shot it down. <laughs> right. And so already there, there's a question and kind of debate. It's already like an ongoing legal process of, uh, of Iran paying some sort of compensation to the families of the 167 people. Uh, so that's already been, it's not, it hasn't been finalized yet because we're lawyers and we take forever to do anything, right? So that's in the process. It's in the work. So I bring that up. Because there's already a precedent for this, and obviously it's gonna get a lot bigger. Um, you know, this was just something that, well, I mean, it's still, it was 167 people, right? Um, and now this is, you know, the whole country, the whole war, right? Um, anyway, so by the way, the, what did they say? Okay, the Irania, uh, the general was assassinated a long time ago. Chris Rock, the comedian, oh, everyone knows Chris Rock, the slap victim, right? Um, a, a, long, a long time ago, he made this joke about the word assassinated. He said, Martin Luther King, he was assassinated. John F. Kennedy, he was assassinated. Tupac, 
that guy got shot, <laughs> right? So I, I love that. That differentiates assassination and just getting shot. Anyway, all right. So um, so there is a precedent for this. And, and my uh, intuition is that this is going to happen uh, after everything is said and done here. Now, when it is said and done, this, this is going to be a big legal issue, okay? Forget BFD, <laughs> right? What I like is BLD, big legal issue. Oh. Deal, <laughs> big legal deal, all right? Not big freaking deal, big legal deal, BLD. This is gonna be a BLD, all right? Because somebody somewhere is gonna agree to, let's say they, they come up with some sort of treaty and the treaty includes $10 billion in war reparations, right? Um, that's gonna happen sooner or later, something like that. Then comes the claims process, okay? We, we now know, obviously, the Toys R Us and, um, Halliburton, right? KFC, they know they have lawyers that can do the claims process. Um, and then we, we need lawyers out there that'll do that for the regular people, uh, right? There will be some mechanism for the regular people to file. Oh, by the way, I forgot with the Iraqi war reparations, another company that made out um, is Philip Morris, the cigarette <laughs> makers. Uh, they said they were victims of the Iraq war because they were selling less cigarettes because of the war, <laughs> okay? Uh, anyway, so after this, I mean, we're talking about so far, you know, uh, depending on what, you know, study you're looking at or whatever, there's over 4 million refugees, okay? So when it comes time for uh, the reparations, there will be a mechanism for each of them to file a claim, all right? And uh, if they don't file the claim, and the claim is not going to be simple because uh, a lot of people will fraudulently file claims. So they make it, you know, you might have to prove your residence. You might have to prove, you know, your injuries. You might, if you had a loved one that was killed, you might have to prove it, which might not be easy, right? Because it's not like there's like, you know, death certificates that are kind of easy to get right now during the war. So the claims process, um, oh, by the way, that was why one of the World War II reparations claims was difficult because... You know, you had to like prove your relative died, you know, in World War II. And sometimes there wasn't death certificates, right? So anyway, so this will be kind of a complicated process. Uh, and this is where lawyers can help people. Um, isn't it beautiful? We always say help people, all right? Other people will say, this is a good time for lawyers to just rip people off. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, good time for lawyers to kind of help these Ukrainians, uh, the little people, okay, get their claims processed for the war reparations. Um, it will not be an easy task. So look, all those millions of refugees will have claims and all the people that aren't refugees will have claims, right? Um, and the claims, it's not like you... They don't have the forms where it's like, are you a Ukrainian? Yes. Okay. Here's a check. No, it's kind of like, what were your damages? What can you prove? Who did, you know, did you lose family members? Were you evicted? Did you lose your house? Did you, uh, you know, were you injured? What were your injuries? You know, uh, how do we compensate mental suffering? Do we, right? So there's going to be these, you know, like I think I said it too many times, these complicated form process. So every one of those 4 million refugees will, 
will have claims. Everyone that didn't leave the country will probably have claims. Uh, different companies, a lot of companies will have claims. Um, you know, one person that won't have a claim is Joe Samo for paying higher gas prices. Um, you know, <laughs> that would be crazy. I'm going to file a claim just for the hell of it saying I want $80 because that's how much more I had to pay in gas during this time. Well, what am I? $200, you know, maybe I'll file it just to do it and then I'll donate the proceeds. Okay. Um, just so I can show how the process is done. Um, and, and look, this is going to happen for sure. And it's kind of already happening. Let me tell you how already happening because the Russians have, um, see, unlike Iraq, Iraq didn't really have assets all over the world. And so it was easy to collect from them because, uh, we were in Iraq <laughs> this whole time since 1991. Right. So anyway, uh, with Russia, it is kind of, uh, possible to collect it because there were different bank accounts that have been frozen. Um, you know, different assets, different properties, like real estate properties, you know, the, the, for some reason, only the yachts make the news, the yachts were seized or whatever. So, um, there was a lot of this that was seized and frozen, right? Um, and a lot of like Putin's allies, like the, you know, the, the Chelsea soccer team guy and, and all these other people that own a lot of property. So a lot of it has already been seized. Okay. So all of that there, you know, there's already kind of the process starting where when this is said and done, like there's already assets to go after. And even if there's a, even if there, there's a small chance, it won't be, there won't be a treaty that says they're going to pay war reparations. Even if that's the case, it doesn't matter because then there could be lawsuits over, uh, like individual lawsuits over the claims. Okay. So there doesn't even have to be a treaty like the nine 11 lawsuits against Saudi Arabia. Uh, that isn't per a treaty. That is just like a, you know, a separate kind of claim. Ah, there's us lawyers with the word claim. So it's already starting to happen. Um, so as I said, finally, I had to wrap my head around it when someone said, what the heck can you do to help Ukrainians? Um, and I'm not the type that says just send money. I could send money, uh, because one, I think the money doesn't really get there sometimes. And two, I don't have much money, <laughs> right? Uh, we got kids and stuff, right? They're costly. No. Um, so, uh, at first I, I said to people, no, nah, us lawyers, what are we going to do to help Ukrainians uh, go there and sue people? I guess the answer is yes, <laughs> we can help. All right. Well, my, my good friends, um, it has been a very, very good episode. Um, oh, by the way, before we go, I did have one client uh, call me and he wanted to run something by me in the past few days. Uh, totally unrelated. He got, this guy is a wealthy, wealthy, you know, millionaire, right? And what happened was he got a divorce and they kind of, uh, they signed the settlement agreement in the year 2018. And that was entered as a judgment in 2018, which was four years ago. And um, his ex-wife just sued him saying that that marital settlement agreement was very unfair. Uh, part of the argument was they had, let's say, $5 million in real estate equity in, uh, let's say, 2018. All right. Um, what happened was he, he agreed to pay her $2.5 million, like over a span of years, and that all the real estate, he kept it. The, the problem for the ex-wife is now that real estate is worth like $12 million, right? So in a way, she's saying, well, I got cheated because, um, you know, he he got, you know, property that's now worth 
$12 million and my half should have been $6 million, but he agreed to pay me $2.5 million. And there's more to it. There's saying, she's saying, you know, I didn't like, I wasn't like, uh, you know, I didn't understand and I didn't like, my lawyer didn't advise me correctly, this and that. Okay. Um, I looked at everything. I looked at the lawsuit. Um, it's not, yeah, I looked at, it's called something else in, in California family law, but basically this is called the lawsuit here. Uh, I looked it over. I said, well, you got some good news is there's these thing called the statute of limitations where it's hard for her to bring this up after one full year after the judgment was signed by the judge. So, um, even for like basis of fraud and whatnot, like there's still like a limit on when she could bring it up. So uh, I told him, good news. I think we could uh, we could beat that one. And it's like the property could have went down in value. You know what I'm saying? So uh, we'll see. All right. If you have an issue, I always recommend give me a call. Just run it by me. My phone number, 619-672-1741. I had an enjoyable time and I hope you did. I'll see you folks next week. 